On this episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast, we have some very special guests from ScaleThat.com, Bill Harrelson and Alex. This one is just super juicy, y'all. We dive into a killer rich ad that generated well over multiple seven figures with, shoot, about 650K spend behind it that's been running for over a year. If you want to hear that story, make sure to tune in. On the poor ad side, we roast a very terrible keto-friendly ad that they had no idea what they were doing. Super, super solid and super fun to roast. On the more financial side, we kind of dive into, you know, their larger budgets where they could have clients spending anywhere from 100 to 200K a day, you know, for Black Friday, for example. So we kind of dive into how they're setting proper expectations up for their clients and how to kind of create a roadmap of success and not face any roadblocks. If that sounds interesting, make sure to tune in because you don't want to miss this one because I would go for perfection all the time. I mean, I've shot video with LeBron James and Arnold Schwarzenegger and blah, 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 and Nike, like big brands. And yes, you probably should go for perfect in that scenario, but like at the same rate, you need to get data. And so I think like, if I have to look at like, a, like we're doing a launch right now for a big brand, um, in the food, the food space, uh, they sell food. Um, and uh, at any rate, it's interesting because we're, we're doing both and, right? So we have some creative that is kind of keeping it simple, stupid, just like, hey, go find this product at this place, right? Like really simple ads. And then we have the high end of things that's going to be like the brand anthem piece. listening to the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast, where we break down the financial principles that rich advertisers are deploying today to turn advertising into profit and get tons of traffic to their websites without killing their cash. These advertisers, agencies, affiliates, brands are responsible for managing over a billion dollars a year in ad spend. You'll hear about what's working for them today, their rich ads, and we'll roast their epic failures and crappy ads on the internet with poor ads. Let's get into it. Welcome to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast. This is your host, Zach Johnson. I'm with the one and only DC, Dylan Carpenter. How are you doing today, Dylan? Good, man. I'm ready to roast some ads. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I'm excited for today's guest. It is the uh, founders, co-founders of Scale That. And uh, these guys collectively manage about $30 million a year of media. And they really work with about a let's say half a dozen to a dozen private clients a year and, um, and also have a platform where they're connecting uh, clients and brands with uh, the right customized strategy with the right uh, team. So it's pretty cool in the sense that um, they're bringing together uh, a lot of the different vendors. That's just a slew of that exists out in the marketing world and really only bringing them in when the strategy matches it up. Uh, I originally, Dylan, got connected uh, with our guest today via Digital Marketer, I think was the match.com uh, here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so, um, yeah, I'm excited to have them on. So let's bring on Bo and Alex from Scale That. Welcome to the show, guys. What's happening? Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, yeah man. I, uh, I'm, I'm pumped to be here. I uh, I feel like... Bo, you've been in the agency game for for quite some time. Alex, you've been uh, just putting up numbers and setting records on the media buying side, and so I feel like it's it's really fun to have both you guys on 
in terms of like the magic duo here. We got Batman and Robin uh, on the show here when it comes to scaling like a media agency. So this is going to be fun, man. To be clear, I'm more Robin than Batman for sure. So, uh, Alex is the man in black that like mysteriously makes magic happen. So uh, and anyway, but but yeah, both Alex and I are industry veterans. We've been doing this for you know uh, more than ten thousand hours for sure at this point, and both have exited. Um, previous agencies, which was um, both fun and terrifying and, um, you know, not healthy as well. I think we, we both gained like 20 or 30 pounds throughout that. Alex has lost that weight. I've lost like half that weight. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we've done we've done the big agency thing and we, we appreciate that. But this new model with scale that we're particularly excited about because it just kind of eliminates the bias that comes with having 20 or 30 people on staff and having to build a solution to match those people versus building a solution that matches the brand's actual needs. Um, not to say that there's not agencies that, that could try to eliminate that bias, but just having carried that burden for a long time, I know that it's a lot more fun for me to develop a customized team and my network and Alex's network lends itself to that, uh, to be able to do that. And at the end of the day, what you're looking for on the brand side is the right strategy. Um, and so we happen to be decent strategists, I think. Um, that's been validated a few times. So I think if we can figure out the right strategy for the right brand and then match them with people that are vetted that we know, like, and trust, then that's a win-win for everyone involved. And so that's, that's kind of why we've in our retirement phase, we've kind of, you know, kind of, um, gone to this model. Sure. I feel like you need to trademark this phrase solution bias, uh, tm.com slash scale that slash bow. Yeah. Honestly, seen it anyway. I love that. I love it. I mean, it just it just nails it on the head in the sense it's like, oh, hey, what do I have to sell today? That's the solution that everybody needs. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, that's awesome. I, you know, just to entertain some of the agencies listening to this show, I uh, I would love to know what your thoughts are in terms of exiting an agency. My perspective of this is that it is there's a lot of agency valuations in general are not worth like all that much and you know relative to let's just say other categories being you know let's say in SaaS or you know fine like there are other categories let's just say that have higher valuations for sure now going in to scale that for the second time around how much is exiting an agency really part of your your goal now or is it like okay we got that out of our system like, <laughs> i mean there's a reason we're building the model we're building for sure and some of it's informed yeah. by the past but i think probably you know Alex, if you want to speak to your the, the, your past in terms of yeah. exiting i think that's an important thing to note um in terms of what it takes to exit an agency sure uh, and what to prepare yourself for yeah i think you kind of hit on the head there is that because you know my my first agency that was my first foray is my first first time entrepreneur and i think a lot like a lot of uh first entrepreneurs i was pretty naive in that sense of like of uh, what agency multiples are actually worth right and um and so my goal is just to get as big as possible like grow the top line revenue as high as possible and uh, I guess in some sense i succeeded succeeded in that goal i mean we were number 159 and i think 500 our first year eligible in year four so we went from zero to you know 20 employees that's like the national list you know? like don't be hot like that's like that's the big list that's, yeah, not, this, that's not like this isn't like the denver business journal no <laughs> offense to denver, denver but like the, the, it was like the list yeah yeah um 
but at, yeah, at the end of the day, like, you know, especially in that model where it's like, you know, we were taking on some pretty small advertisers. It was a big team, lots of advertisers and lots of dollars, you know, revenue wise. But, um, you know, your our average client revenue is like four grand a month or something to us. Oh, yeah. And that sounds and that, about right. And that model just, it starts to break when you're like, okay, now I've got to have 20 media buyers to manage 100 accounts. And now you got to like, you got to be super dialed in your SOPs and your processes so that your quality of work doesn't go down. Now you're hiring junior media buyers just out of college and throwing them on five accounts and they don't know what they're doing. And <laughs> it was a mess, to be honest. So I learned a lot from that experience. And um, yeah, to, to your point, I think I did get that out of my experence. It was, a, you know, I, I got that out of my system in some sense. It's like, okay, chuck that up as a win. I can put that down as like, that was a goal to like build and exit a company. But this time I'm going to do it a little bit different. And that's why Bo and I are building something that's actually more scalable. <laughs> and we're, and, and don't, don't get me wrong, but we still, we're still taking direct clients. That's our scale that select where we take, you know, half a dozen to a dozen clients a year. Um, but our, you know, our margins are much better there because it's just Bo and I managing those. And, um, mm-hmm. and that allows us to be on the front line of, you know, things change quickly. So, you know, we're still in there actually doing this, not just teaching, but actually, you know, eating our own dog food, so to speak. And then mm-hmm. the second to that, we some have- days it tastes good. Some <laughs> days it doesn't, but yeah, yeah, I think like, but I think the note is there that like, mm-hmm. it's, we can say no more in this phase of life. And I think like you actually, the number one way to grow, I think a service business is actually to learn how to say no and learn when to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into that even in the rich ads and the poor ads, right? There's certain like things where my spidey sense, now I'm Spider-Man anyway, goes up where, <laughs> Maybe that's the, maybe that's the duo Spider-Man, but anyway, but, um, <laughs> but I, you know, I think that's the thing is like, I'm really, really proud of those hours and that time that, that, that I put into my first agency. And I think you would say the same yeah. and I'm proud of the exit and the experience, but like at the same rate, um, you know, the elusive, like, like, you know, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow as you're like thinking to exit a service, a service business, I would say is going to be built on your processes and your operational strengths and your network. And if you can get those things dialed in, you, you will, and you could have a successful like joint venture partnership or something that looks like an exit or feels like an exit. It will not be like five X of EBITDA or like crazy, you know, 10 X, whatever multiples that you see in the tech space. So not to like pop that balloon, but that's, there you go. <laughs> so, like, um, so, it's interesting, you, you, you know, success leaves clues, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you should go do the exact same thing the next time. Right. So I think that's the interesting thing in, in getting to know serial entrepreneurs. I'm always like, tell me about your first exit. Cause you typically learn the most about that person from that first exit. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, you guys have, have, have kind of gone before us and, and you've gone the road less traveled and you're back here to share with us, uh, <laughs> with a new model. And I feel like that's, what's, you know, so cool about your backstory of scale that is like, Hey, we went down this path, you know, and here's everything that we learned. And we're going to create a new model where there's really two sides. We're not going to scale that (laughs) scale that select. We're only going to take on 12 clients. Right. And really, uh, creating the second part of, of that, which is, um, really focusing on, matching the 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 talent and the 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 different solutions uh with the right strategy at the right time Mm -hmm. and uh i i I love it so let's dive into this rich ad man i want to know uh what's working now i want to tell me all your secrets um how (laughs) (laughs) 
I'll start from like the 30,000 foot level and Alex can kind of speak to like the ground level, what we see like day to day. But like, here's, here's the number one thing I'm seeing in all ads right now is either you go big, you like, you actually like spend the money, you do the creative hundred percent right. And you go for something that's going to be wildly impactful. Um, and I'll, I'll list some examples of that, or you go small, like you go really analog, you do like, okay, great that we have an iPhone video from someone walking and talking about the product. Like, let's, let's see what happens there. The middle is kind of where you go to die. Like, it's just not interesting to like the modern day consumer as we scroll through our feeds and look at our things. So I think like, if I could offer one piece of advice, it would be like, start small, get comfortable being analog, being a little bit more like, I'm going to open up my iPhone and film me talking about this video or this product. Yeah. You're, rhetoric has to be on point and the way you do that has to be on point but your production value can be low and then like bookend that with significant efforts that drive significant results um the in-between just kind of starts to look like the same it's like a sea of same so the the irony of that is like we looked through our ad library in terms of like all of our ad sets and uh, looked at our like single highest performing ad and it's definitely more on the low end of things. So Alex will show. <laughs> well, it's, it's actually a stock video. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a 15 second stock video. But, and, um, and I should clarify too, when Bo says best performing, it, it's the longest running. It's been running for over a year now. Wow. And we have spent over $650,000 on it in the last 12 months. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, and the great thing about that is it just, it just accumulates comments. I mean, it's got like 10,000 comments. Or something. And you own the rights to the stock video, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like literally 253 million impressions at this point and has wow. driven uh, multiple seven figures worth of revenue yeah. for the client, right? 15 second stock video again, with the right call to action with, you know, battle tested copy, if you will, you know, like we, we, you know, we're not, yeah, it wasn't an action. We just, we just like throw up stock video and be like, Oh, let's go spend, you know, several thousand dollars a day on this. It was, you know, there was lots of, there was lots of uh, AB testing in the early stages with, yeah. you know, only hundreds of dollars a day across dozens of ads. And then, so break down the, the, the ad for us. What is it? You know, yeah. we'll, uh, for everybody listening, we'll, we'll put it up a picture of it at rich ad slash podcast, get on the show notes, but like walk, walk us through what is in this stock video. So it's, it's, one of our products is in the, the hair loss space. Um, particularly they help women that are experiencing like hair, like thinning hair and those types of things. So, Literally, this happens to be an image of uh, a woman with gray hair, um, taking her hair about right, mm -hmm. and like kind of like washing her hair, and like like that's that's essentially that's about it. That's about that's about it. it. So basically, a L'Oreal commercial uh, with gray hair and like. With, and imagine that. Ten seconds. Ten seconds of a gray hair woman just kind of. So for you that have access to stock video libraries, which is everyone it will be okay. Like you can, like you can feel so like this. That's a funny thing. And I think like, if anything that I, as I sit down with a new brand or anyone in the, like a sales context, as I'm getting to know them, usually what they're lacking is just confidence to try things mm -hmm. and to be okay, putting some stuff out there. And like, you know, there's all sorts of like trite kind of sayings around like perfection is the enemy of whatever good and anyway you get the general idea and i think that's that's somewhat true in advertising is sometimes we just have to be like hey it's going to be okay let's throw it like let's yes we might light a thousand dollars on fire for the first week or two 
but mm-hmm. if when it hits, it hits and mm-hmm. it's fun. Right. And, uh, and, and all data is good data for the most part in the context of advertising, mm-hmm. you just have to have the thresholds and the confidence to spend the money, um, to get that data. And that's usually more of a mindset thing than a creative thing, mm-hmm. um, the brand. So, um, we could probably kind of breathe, like kind of get over there in the third chapter of this chat uh, around just kind of economic principles and things like that. But I, mm-hmm. I think as it relates to creative, more is better than less and simple is better than perfect. Mm. Right. And yeah. like there was a time in my career where I would, I would be really, it would pain me to say that because I would go for perfection all the time. I mean, I've shot video with LeBron James and Arnold Schwarzenegger and blah, 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 and Nike, like big brands. And yes, you probably should go for perfect in that scenario, but like at the same rate, you need to get data. And so I think like, if I have to look at like a, like we're doing a launch right now for a big brand, um, in the food, the food space, uh, they sell food. Um, and, uh, at any rate, it's interesting cause we're, we're doing both and right. So we have some creative that is kind of keeping it simple, stupid, just like, Hey, go find this product at this place, right? Like really simple ads. And then we have the high end of things. that's going to be like their brand anthem piece. And, um, I'm not losing sleep over that. That's the perfect strategy. And that's going to go well for them because they need both. You need brand awareness assets that are going to really build the brand. And then you need direct response assets that are just going to plain work and just kind of be your Mm -hmm. like, you know, three and four yard like hits, right? You're just like, cool, it's great. And then you might need to air it out sometimes too. So now we're getting into football, but (laughs) you get the idea. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Funnel Dash's ad card, the only charge card exclusively for your digital ad spend. And if you're an advertiser spending tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on ads, and you're in e-commerce, and you're looking for more capital or credit to scale, then you're probably familiar with solutions like Shopify Capital, Brex, and ClearBank. The problem with these solutions is the cost of capital is expensive, and they take a percentage of your revenue. One of the beauties with AdCard, when you combine it with one of our in-network, of our 5,000 in-network agency partners, you have the opportunity to qualify for free ad capital funding where we'll load up your ad card with an additional $50,000 all the way up to a million dollars of additional capital to deploy on platforms like Facebook, Google, Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube, and more. So if that's you, if you're in e-commerce spending a ton on ads and you're looking for a way to decrease the cost of, of capital, check out AdCard. We'll get back to the show. All right, so let's talk about this poor ad here. This is uh, an amazing find. Yeah, so it's a gold mine. This is, this is a good find. Uh, break, break it down for us. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny because Bo actually alluded to it earlier after I exited my last company, I lost like 20 pounds, and I did it through uh, keto. So I'm a big fan of, of the keto diet. But now all of a sudden I get all these uh, keto ads, and some of them are um, – some of you guys may know what I'm referring to, but there's a lot of sketchy keto companies out there <laughs> that um, try to pretend like their product was on Shark Tank, even though it definitely was not. <laughs> and this one example, um, not only do they do some uh, uh, poorly, poor Photoshopping uh, to pretend it was on uh, Shark Tank, then the I, I don't know this whole ad. I don't even know where to start. Like, it, it, like the, co- the copy looks like it was written by someone. Okay, so let me help you out. It's a keto fast, right? And, and it's like a little pill that pops in the water. And then, like, 
a Lori uh, Grenier, they basically photoshopped her in yeah. like four seconds into the video with her like holding the product, but then they photoshopped their product in her hands. hands with like fake badges of like something. Yeah, the size of the glass is amazing that she's holding. It's yes. Like, it's like a gallon. Yeah. Cup. <laughs> and I'm just going to read so- the copy real quick. It says keto works very well. One cup before comma 255 to 112 without rigorous training. I don't, I don't even know what that and like the brand's name is in mandarin you know like oh yeah the, the, the page that's being advertised on behalf of it is in like a mandarin um and then the call to action is one cup at nine o'clock in the evening hearts um, heart emoji contraction of the admin today do 85 percent off limited edition keto oh my gosh so you know the next version of poor ad segment i feel like we just need to go find the brand owners and bring them on the show when when you guys sat in a room and figured this one so out why are you spending money Dylan, maybe what we should do is when we have our guests on the show, we'll just go on the ad library. If we could just pull their entire history and just roast them. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> We're talking about all your crappy ads today. You remember this from uh, last year? How to do. That's a, that's a good way to just like not get people on the show. So. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, it's probably like an affiliate or something. It's going to, it looks like the main page is blogger. Blog, yeah, blogger.com. Uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. A lot of authority there. Yeah. That's good. So it's good fine. So to recap, Think about it more than this. Like, think about your creative a little bit more than this, but don't get too romantic about it. Like, because I think, like, the other thing is it's tough to look at a single ad out of the context of how we build out an account structure and those types of things. So that's Mm -hmm. another note I think that's important in terms of building out ads is, like, when we we use the five stages of awareness, um, I always forget the author's name. It was written back in, like... Eugene Swartz. Yes, thank you. Eugene Swartz wrote this book, that highlights the five stages of awareness. So in general, when we're building out our creative, we want to build out creatives to match all five stages. Mm. So what you don't see in a single ad is that that could be that intentionally weighted, like we might wait on that ad for the third touch with, you know, with the brand versus the first touch. So I think, you know, somebody is like a really good media buyer and they're managing over eight figures of media. If they quote Eugene shorts on the podcast, that's like a, just a general rule of thumb. If you're a brand, you're looking to hire an agency, just go through rich ad, poor ad transcripts. If they mention Eugene Swartz, or just go to scale.com and get matched with the right strategy or the right media. Buyer. I mean, Eugene is OG man. Like I think he is, he's a legend. It's so good. I, I love it. Look at nearly what is being said on stages when we had stages pre COVID, but, um, it, 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 the DNA of it, the good stuff is typically from Eugene or Ogilvy or someone like that's OG in that camp. So you might as well just go back and read the good stuff. So exactly. So Bo, you're like the king of, of winning budgets. I, uh, I feel like we could have you on a whole nother show where we just talk about where the hell do you find these like massive brands and like, Hey, you know, they, you guys like, you guys aren't cheap, okay? And uh, and so I feel like there's a whole masterclass here on just Bo's biz dev skills um, and how you pull that off. But for the sake of uh, you know our ADD and, and attempt to repair this, let's stay focused on, on the format of the show, which is I want to dive into some financial principles for advertisers. And for some of the the uh, the folks listening, they've you know, had this ongoing conversation with their clients, which is, Hey, this is going really well. You should spend more on ads. <laughs> and then the client says, yes, we should do that. Let me get back to you. And then they say, no, <laughs> we're not going to actually do that. 
So you've you've been in the game long enough. I feel like you you've got to have some pretty amazing uh, mojo in terms of how you go about navigating these conversations very strategically and uh, and winning budget over. Because some, I mean, yeah. you know, after all, you guys are going to be managing you know, twenty five thirty million a year of media, and I would imagine you know if that's just with like ten or twelve clients, like those folks are scaling like pretty aggressively. Yeah, like so, average daily budget for a single client, with, like in scaling season. Oh, during, like during like Q yeah. four. Yeah. Um, daily budget. I mean, 30, 60 k. You know, or more during Black Friday. I mean, I think last Black, last Black Friday alone, we spent yeah two hundred thousand dollars something. Like that. Yeah. So, gosh, hey, can we get that on the ad card? That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's an interesting point. Is like, how do you, how do you, like, we always get the questions of like, how do you go from like spending ten k a month to like that, yeah. right? And and uh, we'll get to that in a second. Let me answer the first question real quick, and I'm just going to channel like my Jerry, my inner Jerry McGuire. If I'm I ready. Sum up my sales process. It's help me help you. And I think like it is like, and I think that's the reality is like I just come at every conversation from like a, and this is this has been used before, is like, how can I help? Because if you don't, if you enter the conversation wanting to talk about yourself, guess what? You're not gonna fit like that conversation finished before it started. So if you're getting to know a new brand, it's just like, tell me about what your guys are up to. I ask typically three questions. Where have you found success? Where do you want to go? And where have you come from? And usually between those three questions, I can pretty much triangulate what is going to help them cross that chasm between where they're at now to where they want to go. Hmm. And usually it's not what they've been doing, right? Usually it's something that needs some fresh eyes and some fresh inspiration on. And then I just start offering all of that stuff for free. Like, I'm like, fine, let's go. Like, you want to dream up a 60 second spot? Let's talk about that, right? And so, yeah, like a lot of people talk about adding value in the sales process and a lot of trite things like that. But I think what, what I've learned separates that conversation, which the majority of my peers are having versus the way I would have that conversation or train someone to have that conversation is to push back on that brand in a very thoughtful and kind way and actually protect them from themselves and say, hey, there's a high probability that you have too much going on. Let's eliminate two or three of these things and focus on one of them that's working. From what you've told me, this thing is working. So how can we help you make that thing work better, right? And usually that's a different conversation than they've had with the average agency. Um, And usually I've made them a little bit uncomfortable in that process because I'm literally jumping right into their business and talking about their business model and not just their advertising efforts or their marketing or do they have tracking pixels set up or whatever? Like that's, that's fine. That's well, it's good. But I, we don't, we're not in the deliverables business. We're in the growth business. So in order to find like the way to grow, usually I want to talk about and figure out where that looks and where, where, where to help them out with that. So that's my Mm -hmm. very condensed sales and, you know, class (laughs) one-on-one. But uh, yeah, that's a whole different conversation in itself. And I, I think, Help me help you is probably the easiest way to condense it. Jerry Maguire, everybody. <laughs> Jerry Maguire. <laughs> I, I do have a little bit of his manifesto in my system as well. Cause I just, I think that I think anyway, it goes back to being accountable to the numbers. And mm-hmm. unfortunately not a, a ton of our peers are as, as excited to get into the numbers as people in the VR space or people that really, really want to be on the hook for, you know, a few million dollars worth of spend a month and making sure that that goes well for everyone. 
So how do you think you guys will have those budget conversations leading up to like a black Friday, right? When you tell somebody that this may be spending like five or 10 K a day right now. And it's like, we want you to spending 200 K on black Friday. What is the financial conversation there? It's like, Hey, uh, is your Amex limit like high enough for this? Or like, cause you have to really start planning financially. Like that is going to pull a ton of cash out. They're going to have a ton of limits across the board. Yeah. How, how are you tackling that financial planning? Yeah. I mean, we're already having those conversations now with yeah. most of our clients. So, and we start two or three months ahead of time and, mm-hmm. uh, and start with forecasting. So a lot of it, sometimes it's starting with just, Hey, what's your goal? Like how much, what, what is your forecast? What, what would you, what, right. what would be success look like for you in this, you know, Q4, how much, what's your you know, revenue goal? And, yeah. and just, and then, so starting at a macro level um, and then kind of backing that down to, okay, just a single channel, like just a Facebook or what are we going to do to help support that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of hitting that level of scale, just to bring that down for a second, right. Great. Start with the goal. Right. But if I'm, if I'm, if you're expecting me to like deploy that amount of capital, do you have conversations about like, Hey, what's your, you know, cash position look like? What, you know, what are some of the limits that you have on the card or are you like helping them, you know, put some capital solutions in place or do you guys just kind of say, Hey guys, hope you have that figured out because we're going to spend through your budget like by 9am. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, like, Obviously, you've pressure tested things at that point uh, going into Q4 and going into everything and kind of in that key season. And so I think like in general, we typically don't work with clients that only have a season like a selling season. And they usually have evergreen ads at that point that we've helped scale to a certain point. So, yeah, we're going to crank it up to 11, you know, during Black Friday. But at that point, we've typically already cranked it up to like seven or eight or yeah. nine. To, to like, So we've, we've pressure tested the business, if you will. And, and we've run people out of inventory for sure. We're not perfect in that. Like you have to be ready to scale. And uh, ideally, we've hit a few guardrails along the way or we've just and ran people out of stock on accident. Yeah, in fact, I was going to say, I mean, we, that's actually one of the, when we bring on a new client, that's one of the first questions we ask them is like, what level of sales per day would break you? <laughs> like, okay, you're doing 100, 100 sales a day. Yeah. Like, if I tomorrow give you 1,000 sales, like, what would happen? <laughs> and so a lot of times what, the conversation what starts. What break? A lot of times the conversation starts more around inventory, I would say, and inventory mm-hmm. forecasting and, and how much they can uh, fill up per day. And then finances and uh, are tied to that. Um, but mm-hmm. like, to Bo's point, we normally, ideally, we would already have found that, either have found it prior prior to going into a, a Black Friday for any commerce client, um, or we already have a, a, a good sense we've had those conversations with them, um, you know, well mm-hmm. well in advance. Yeah, and and at the end of the day, if a brand that we're having that we're working with directly doesn't have their acquisition costs dialed in and they understand their lifetime value. And then the third number is like understand the threshold of time between that initial acquisition to that, you know, lifetime value, however they want to define it being realized. Mm-hmm. And they have the cash flow to like sit on that for two and a half months or whatever that takes to like realize an I like a really, really positive, you know, ROI position. They're probably mm-hmm. not ready to scale at the level that we're going to provide for them. And I don't mean that mm-hmm. with any ego. It's just like, we so we just consult right we're just going to help you get from point a to point b and help you like mm-hmm. figure out how to get there and then work with financial partners like you guys to go okay cool like so you can cash flow this thing two and a half months out what are your cash reserves right now and if they're like 
30 days and we're like, cool, you got to go open up a line of credit. You got to get a car. You got to like figure some things out. Um, and there's credit cards that help out with that. And I'm not here to get people leverage, but you can see how the number, if you know your numbers well, it's a pretty mm-hmm. easy math equation to go. Yeah. Three months from now, this is going to feel better. And you're going to be on a treadmill that's sustainable. That's just going to keep moving mm-hmm. faster and faster. Um, so it's never too early to plan for scale. Um, and I think the key question is, you know, what will scale break you? And then the key chasm to break over is how do you maintain your acquisition costs as mm-hmm. you scale? And that's the real key mm-hmm. question that we hear from agencies and brands alike. And I wish that that was a formula, but probably Alex could give you some like two or three core principles that like you see as you try to like maintain an acquisition cost and scale. Yeah, maybe we could do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say some, some quick tips um, in terms of I'm seeing success right now. That ad we mentioned that, um, that is working well for us. It's been running for a year. The, one of the reasons we've been able to do that and run it for so long is because it's targeting such a broad audience. Um, it's literally targeting all women in the United States, <laughs> essentially. Um, so, you know, we're seeing like 10%, you know, even just a year ago, it was like, you know, 1% lookalikes. Now it's like 10% lookalikes or just untargeted broad audience. Yeah. And, let, and let Facebook do um, a lot of that optimization or finding the right person for you if you're optimizing for conversions is where we're seeing a lot more success right now when we try yeah. to go. Now, I have a thing for you, Alex. Um, mm-hmm. when, when y'all are spending, you know, 100 to 20, 200K a day, you know, for Black Friday. Now, Zach was mentioning cards getting capped out or something. Are you doing this from one ad account? You pumping out an extra ad account just to play it safe? I'm kind of curious on how you're executing that with maybe a single ad account or multiples. Um, so this is, uh, this is uh, that, that's across, you know, several advertisers mm-hmm. you know, combined. So, um, but each advertiser we work with only has one ad account, um, but we're also working with some larger brands that, um, they all, yeah, actually all the brands we're working with right now, they have uh, a line of credit with Facebook, um, nice. which, um, helps a lot. And I know that, you know, for smaller brands, it doesn't help because you, it's typically hard to get into K- kind of an invite only situation. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, there's only 6,000 people on, on Facebook credit. There's 6 million advertisers, only 6,000 that get terms. <laughs> and most of those brands, I'll just say, like, if at the, you know, they're, they're having to pay that balance back. You know, like, they're not getting, like, a whole net 30 at that level of scale for, for a lot of them. Um, yeah. Guys, this has been fun. Uh, thank you so much for... Um, opening up the kimono here and, and and sharing with us that stock photographer really does work. Uh, thank you so much for that. We're going to get that in the highlights here. Learn how Alex, Alex and Bo are spending 30 million a year with stock photography. And you can too. Oh man. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Uh, Bo, tell everybody you know where they can get in touch, what you guys are excited about next, sure. and uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate it. I mean, simply go to scalethat.com. Uh, we've got a quiz on there that just helps people understand if they're ready to scale. Um, so if you've like you want to like kind of get in that mindset, or even just get like a quick audit for your business, just going through that quiz um, mm-hmm. is a good like report card for yourself, right? And um, worst case scenario, you have a 30 minute call with me or Alex and we kind of, you know, point you in the right direction. That's not a bad thing. So that's, that's our, our shameless plug. Um, you know, but other than that, like we genuinely just want to help people and we don't like, we're in a spot where, you know, we want to help the right people and I have no problem 
talking with anyone at this point because I, I'd rather people do the right things than just do a lot of things. And that's the number one thing I see out right out there right now. It's just people mm-hmm. doing a lot of things and just wearing themselves out, wearing their families out, you know, like just, you know, I mean, this whole thing called online advertising is supposed to, to, you know, help you achieve some balance in your life, not, you know, like run you into the ground. And so, um, yeah. So anyway, if you want to see how I achieve balance in my life, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Instagram. No, but uh, it's an interesting thing because, like, I think that's the number one thing that Alex and I probably would say to anyone is like, really take the time to figure out the right things to focus on and scale that. Mm-hmm. Ooh, let's wrap up there. <laughs> let's wrap up there. Oh gosh, thank you so much. It's been awesome. Awesome. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks. so much for listening to another episode of the rich ad poor ad podcast if you're like me and listen to podcasts on the go go ahead and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify youtube and richadpoorad.com slash podcast and if you absolutely love the show go ahead and leave a review and a comment share with a friend if you do take a copy screenshot of it email me zach at funnel-com show me you left a review and i'll give you a free copy of the rich ad poor ad book to learn more about the book go to richadpoorad.com to leave a review, go to richadpored.com slash review. Thanks again.